Hello and welcome to Uncommon Law, my podcast about true stories from my life experience of over 50 years as a lawyer and trial judge. This is a look at the law from the inside out, stuff they don't teach in law school. This is Judge Rudy Greco, retired justice of the New York State Supreme Court. Sometimes a a judge has to give a a difficult litigant exactly uh, what he or she wants. So in in 2007, or actually uh, 2013, excuse me, I was elected to uh, New York State Supreme Court. And as a new Supreme Court judge, I was called in uh, to the office of the administrative judge of the Supreme Court in Queens County for uh, a conference on my assignments. And, And the assignments basically cover two areas. And the first is a physical assignment as to what courtroom uh, and uh, what chambers uh, office space you're going to get. And uh, the second uh, assignment has to do with what part of the court or what nature of, of, your, of your judicial assignment will be. The parts of the court are, uh, are numbered and they have different significance. Some of them are trial parts, are general trial parts, so they try all kinds of cases. Some of them are matrimonial parts. Some of them are commercial parts. Some of them are uh, commercial uh, real estate uh, landlord-tenant parts with businesses and things like that. And, um, well, you get the picture. There's a a number of different assignments. So uh, being a a new judge, a newly elected judge, just like uh, anywhere else, you get the worst assignments. And it's sort of like an initiation uh, period that you go through. Uh, The senior judges don't want the, the troublesome parts. And uh, they give them to the uh, they give the, 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 the least favorable quarters and courtrooms, uh, least convenient and the least uh, desirable parts to the new judges. So my administrative judge calls me in and said, uh, well, Rudy, he says, I'll tell you what I would like you to do. I'm going to give you uh, chambers. I'll tell you in a minute. But um, I want to assign you to a matrimonial part. And I said, well, 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 wait a minute. Matrimonial? Uh... I have a couple of reasons. I can't stand matrimonials. He said, well, what, what's the problem? I said, two problems. I hate matrimonials, and I hate matrimonials. That's the second part, okay? So uh, he said, well, what's, why? what's the matter? I said, well, a number of reasons, I said. First of all, my mom and dad uh, got divorced when I was 14, and it was nasty business and left a bad taste in my mouth. Second of all, matrimonial work is highly emotional and carries a lot of responsibility in the case of uh, custody cases. If you're deciding custody, a lot of times between parents, you have bad choices. Uh, neither one of them is much good, and you're going to have to decide where the kids are going to go. And it's very distasteful. And I don't want, at this late date in my life, here I am in my 60s, I don't want the responsibility of deciding uh, people's lives in, in, in a serious way. Send me to a regular trial part where they're arguing about money, good old-fashioned money, and I can go to sleep at night and I have no problem with any of this stuff. I don't want to deal with criminals anymore. I did that for 22 years in in private practice, uh, and I don't want to deal with matrimonials. I did that for the first five years of my uh, law practice because just out of financial necessity, you take any case that walks in the door. And I disliked it intensely. It's, It's nasty business. I just don't like it. Why don't you give the matrimonial assignment to the other judge that was elected along with me. He has the same seniority I do. Why don't you give it to him? And he said, well, very simply, he can't handle it. You can. 
you were in private practice and you did this. You can handle it. I said, oh, that's great. I said, well, I can handle a mop and I can handle a garbage can. Does that mean that I have to mop the floors in the courthouse and I have to lift and collect all the garbage in the courthouse because I can do it? He said, well, I was going to get to that later. I didn't want to talk about that right now, you know, and he started to laugh. So I said, what else is going on? He said, well, I want you to do this for two years. I said, no, first of all, if you're going to insist that I do this, I'm going to do it for one year. Next year, uh, there are judges retiring and new judges are going to be elected to this, to this court. And they'll have no seniority and you can give them this, this, this assignment and pass it on. I'm not doing this for two years. That's, there's no way I'm doing it. Well, the administrative judge himself uh, had been a New York state legislator. He was a state senator for a long time. In fact, he never really practiced uh, uh, in, in law as such. He was a lawyer and he was very bright, but he was mostly a career politician. And uh, being a member of the New York legislature, uh, he learned the value of compromise. And he saw that I was not moving off the, off my position and I was adamant. And he also saw the need to have somebody for the coming year. And uh, he saw that I was going to, I was going to see to it if he gave me one year. So he compromised. He wasn't happy about it, but he smiled and he said, okay, one year. He said, but you're going to go to uh, Long Island City Courthouse. Now in Queens, Supreme Court on the civil side, there were two courthouses. One of them was a big old grand Depression-era courthouse in Jamaica, which had about 30, uh, 35 judges and, and, and courtrooms. And that was the center of all the action. And then there was this old uh, uh, 1800s uh, vintage uh, French Second Empire courthouse, very picturesque, in Long Island City, which I didn't mind going to. That was nearby anyway. But that was sort of like exile. Uh, the judges there were like McHale's Navy. Nobody ever saw them, and they had a. It was actually a nice place to practice. Is stay away from all the, the nonsense and and uh, the confusion that was the main courthouse. So I didn't mind that. That was supposed to be sort of like exile and sort of a form of uh, punishment for or initiation for a new judge. But I didn't mind that at all. I didn't say that, and uh, I said, okay, I'll go to Long Island City. He said, but the reason why you're going to Long Island City is because I'm going to create a bullet part. Now, a bullet part in, in courthouse jargon means a part that's for trials only. There are no preliminary proceedings. Only cases that go to trial uh, go, and they call it a bullet part because it's fast. You're not going, uh, you know, with any preliminaries. There were three other matrimonial parts in, uh, in Queens County. And they were conventional parts where the judges would handle the matters from the very, very beginning, from the inception right up until the end. And with all the preliminaries and all the intermediate procedures that went on, discovery and hearings and evidentiary hearings, it's uh, modifications and back and forth negotiations, all sorts of stuff. And he said, the, uh, the reason I'm going to make it a bullet part is because I have no room in Jamaica courthouse for a fourth part. And the matrimonial lawyers, all the lawyers who practice only matrimonial law would really resent having to go for a regular part to Long Island City. But they won't resent it if they're going for a trial because they know they're going to be committed there for three or four days or five days or a week or two weeks or whatever it is. He said, but if they had to go uh, for a regular part to Long Island City, they wouldn't like it because they want all the regular parts in one place where they can go to different parts of, of the court uh, on three or four different cases before three different judges in the same building. And it's convenient and makes things uh, feasible for them as, as private practitioners. So you're going to go down to Long Island City and um, you have a bullet part, trials only. I said, well, if you insist, uh, I'll do it. 
but for one year. He says, it's a deal. You do it for one year, and, and, and you're off the hook as far as that's concerned, and we'll get you a regular conventional uh, uh, assignment next year. So I went to Long Island City, and now this is around 2013, and um, I tried a couple of cases, and I soon realized something I didn't know as, as, a, as a newbie. I realized what was the real downside of a bullet part in matrimonial law. And it was this. The other three judges in the conventional parts, whenever they had a difficult or undesirable or intractable case, they would say, okay, that's it. You're going to trial. And they would send them to Long Island City to my part to be tried. So in essence, it was a dumping ground for all the tough cases. And I got it. And it was too late. You know, now I'm there and uh, I'm getting these cases, but I can handle it. And I was getting paid. And uh, that's my uh, initiation. And that's what I have to do to, to, to you know, to, to gain some seniority. So be it. I made a deal and that was it. Three or four months passed by in the matrimonial part. And the case shows up that's assigned to me for a hearing. Now, a hearing, as opposed to a trial, is a very, is a sort of a mini trial. It's maybe on one issue. Something arises an issue arises and it has to be uh, tried uh, and evidence has to be submitted and you have testimony and witnesses and, and lawyers' arguments, et cetera, et cetera. It's just like a trial, but it's, it's, it's abbreviated because it's only on one issue. In this particular ma- uh, matter, it was a, for a downward modification of child support. And under New York law, uh, in matrimonial cases, two things are always open for discussion and modification. One of them is child custody, and the other one is support. And the reason being very simple. A parent who is given custody of a child might be the, the, the proper custodial parent and the best one for the, for the interest of the child. It's all about the interest of the child. That's the first and foremost consideration in, in matrimonial parts. And that could change. For instance, a mother could get custody and be a very good mother, and then two or three years later develops a drug habit or gets arrested or uh, hooks up with some criminal partner or something like that, and, and now she's undesirable and, and they want to change custody. So that's always an open matter. Or somebody dies or somebody gets seriously ill, uh, you know, that's more common. And uh, custody is, is therefore open for, uh, for change. Of course, you have to prove uh, why a change is, is, is necessary. And the other one is child support, and for the same reasons, basically, the same rationale. Financial situations change. A parent can lose a job and become impoverished and not be able to pay, or on the other hand, a parent can become enriched and hit it big in business or something, have a small business that blossoms, and they can afford more money. Uh, And so it's always open for upward or downward modification. So in, in this particular instance, I called the lawyers in. This was for a uh, downward modification, apparently brought by the husband and father. He had three kids. He was married to this woman for about 17 years. And the case was about uh, four or five years old when I got it. It had been decided. She had custody of the kids. They were preteens then, and now they were teenagers. Uh, one of them was just going to be a teenager, and the other two were in high school. And this guy wanted a downward modification. Well, I, as is my custom, I called the lawyers in, the two lawyers came, and I said, let's uh, have a conference in chambers among ourselves. And there's a, a couple of reasons for that. First of all, uh, I found out what the issues were, and you can talk informally without being in the courtroom on the record and find out what this case was all about and get to the heart of the matter. 
Uh, you could lay down the rules of procedure and tell the lawyers, uh, just like a referee in a boxing match, uh, uh, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can do this, I don't mind if you do this, you do that. And you lay out the ground rules for the proceeding. And uh, But basically, it's really so important so that they un uh, you understand what the real issues are and you can limit it and get it down to, uh, narrow it down to what really matters. So you don't waste a lot of time. In talking to the two lawyers... Uh, the husband's attorney, who was, who was the petitioner here and looking for a downward modification, I asked him, I said, well, what's the basis for the downward modification? Uh, the guy looked at me with a blank look. I said, what's the problem? He said, judge, I'm not, he said, I'll tell you the truth. I'm not in support of this thing. This guy is insisting that I represent him and, and, and I will, but I don't think there's a lot of merit to it. Apparently, he said, um, this guy uh, has remarried and... Um, the impetus for this hearing is probably the new wife who says, why are you paying all this money for those kids? We need the money. Go get a downward modification. And this guy's insistent, and he's giving me a hard time. And I told him, I don't think you're going to get it. I don't think there's any reason here. You have the same job. Everything else is all the same. The situation is not any different. And um, I don't think you're going to get it. And he said, but he's insistent. And apparently uh, he's insistent because he's being pressured by the new wife. Uh, and it's against my wishes. I said, okay. I said, what about the, the wife here uh, the, with the custody, the original wife with the, with the three uh, teenagers? Does she want a modification? And our lawyer said she would like a modification, but she's not asking for one, Judge. She knows this guy, the ex-husband, is still working the same two jobs he always worked during their marriage. One is driving a tow truck, and the second job is driving a limousine for a car service. She knows what he makes, and he may make a few bucks more now because rates have gone up and uh, people are uh, using these services uh, more and more. Uh, but she doesn't want to ask for too much because, as I told her, and she understands, um, you can't get blood from a stone. If you go too far and try and get an upward modification, even if you're entitled to it, uh, you might discourage uh, civil disobedience and, and noncompliance uh, from the party who has to pay. And uh, it's not a good idea. So she's being reasonable. She doesn't want anything, even though the kids have higher expenses and she, the needs are greater. But uh, she's been happy. The guy's been paying on time, and he has met his obligations. So uh, she's being reasonable. I said, okay, that, that's good news. Somebody's reasonable here, and the other guy is being unreasonable. I said, so how about, with, with your consent of both of you guys, uh, I bring the uh, petitioner, the husband, in here for a, a, a discussion with me, with his lawyer present, uh, but I need your consent. And both of them consented right away. I said, this way we'll cut to the chase and maybe I can talk to this guy and talk him out of this thing in private. They said, no, it's worth the chance. Why not? We don't want to go through a whole hearing and get, get involved and get tied up in the courthouse maybe for a couple of days. Sure. I said, okay. So I excused the wife's lawyer. I said, uh, and I sent the other guy out, uh, the husband's lawyer, to get his client and come back, which he did. And he introduced him and he sat down. And uh, I spoke to him, and I think uh, we'll use his name, Ahmed. He was from Pakistan. And I said, okay, Mr. Ahmed, what's the problem here? Oh, I pay too much money for my children. I want to pay less money. I don't make money. I want to pay less money. I pay too much. I want you to, to make my money less for the children. I said, really? I said, okay. Uh, are you still driving the tow truck? Yes, Judge. I said, are you still driving the limousine? 
when you're not driving the tow truck? Yes, Judge. I said, and it's the same job you had when you were married and uh, to this first wife? Yes, Judge. I said, so you're making the same kind of money. Well, no, business is bad. It's not so good. We're not making the same kind of money. I said, okay, prices have gone up. I didn't hear that use went down for tow trucks, uh, and I didn't hear, if anything, the car services are doing more business than ever. I said, but uh, you say you're not making any money. What proof do you have? Oh, I'm just telling you I have, I'm not making enough money. I, I need to have uh, my money reduced. I, ha I can't pay for these children anymore. I said, you realize uh, that the kids, their expenses now that they're teenagers uh, are higher. No, 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 I, I don't care. I'm, I'm not making money. I, I'm not making enough money. And he was just adamant and insistent. I said, okay, you can leave. And I spoke to his lawyer. Uh, I excused uh, the, the husband, and he went back to, to the courtroom, sat in the courtroom. And I spoke to the lawyer. I said, look, talk to this guy. He's going to lose. He has no proof. This is just uh, his desire to pay less money because his, his new wife wants him to pay less money. There's no basis for this. There's no substance to this thing. He's going to lose. And we're going to waste time trying this thing or hearing this case for how long it takes and waste taxpayer money and, uh, and the court resources and my time and your time. But this guy was going nowhere fast. He's spinning his wheels. There's no real proof here, unless there's something I don't know. He says, no, Judge, that's the whole story. You got, you got it all. He says, and I, I agree with you. He said, I, didn't, I don't even want to do this. I'm not here to sell you something that, uh, you know, on, on false pretenses. He says, I agree. I said, okay, go out and talk to this guy now that I spoke to him and, and come back and tell me what he says. So he goes out. Two minutes later, he comes back. He says, Judge, bad news. He wants to go ahead with the hearing. He's not listening to you. He doesn't want to hear this. And I guess he says, I imagine that's the wife's pressure, the new wife, you know. I said, okay. I said, I'll tell you what. Uh, now both lawyers were in, uh, in there for this conference. I said, tell you what, it's worth it. Let me take one more shot at this guy, uh, at talking to him. Bring him back. You come back with him. And, and the, the wife's lawyer said, you're excused. Let him come back with, the, with his lawyer. And let me take one more shot at him. Maybe I can, I can solve this thing. They said, anything you want to try, Judge, if you think it's worth it, why not? Okay. I says, yeah, this will take a couple of minutes. So they both leave, and the husband's lawyer comes back and enters the chambers, knock on the door, and he brings the husband again. Now I'm wearing my robe, and I'm wearing the robe for this conference for a couple of reasons. First of all, the robe scares them, you know, and, <laughs> and, it, and, and it, uh, it, it conveys authority. And uh, people see a robe and then they start to get shook up because now they're confronting authority. Now we're getting formal. Plus, it conveys a sense of urgency and immediacy in the situation because now he knows that the robe, uh, right after this, we're going into the, I'm getting ready to go in the courtroom and start the proceeding here, start this hearing, and he's going to be put to his proof. Okay. So he sits down, the lawyer sits down, and I said, you know, let me understand Mr. Ahmed, what's the problem here? You want to pay less money, right? You don't want to pay so much child support. That's right, Judge. I can't pay. I have money. Starts the song and dance again. I said, no, no, no. Wait a minute. I have to tell you, this is your lucky day. You have come to the right place. Really? I says, really? I says, you don't want to pay child support as much as you pay. You want a reduction. Forget reduction. I'm going to give you no child support, okay? You don't have to support the children. No child support. We're going to cancel the old order. No problem. 
Oh, Judge, really? I said, yes. I said, but when you leave here today, you're going to have custody of those three teenagers. You're going to take them home with your new wife, who I'm sure is going to love them like her own and raise them like they're their, her own children. And I'm sure the kids are going to love her. And you're going to take them home and you're going to save a lot of money because all the money you're wasting on child support for food, clothing, drugs, tuition, transportation, you're going to do it for less because they're going to live with you. And you could save a lot of money. No problem. Your troubles are over. You go out now and you wait. In five minutes, I'm going to write and sign off a decision. No more child support for you. Now he looks at me. Now he's deflated. And he looks at me, but he's not done bargaining yet. Well, Judge, he said, if you do that, you will force me to move back to Pakistan. I said, that's okay. If you want to move back to Pakistan, be my guest. I said, I'll tell you what. You call the car service and call your friends. Come and tell them to pick you up here and take you right to the airport to go to Pakistan with your new wife. I'm sure she's going to love Pakistan because I understand it's very friendly to women in Pakistan. She's going to love the new atmosphere in Pakistan. It's going to be great. And I'm sure Pakistan is a wonderful place because 20 years ago, you left Pakistan to come here. It must be a terrific place. That's why you left. So you go to Pakistan. I give you six months in Pakistan, the most, before you come back. And when you come back, you're going to owe all the child support that you didn't pay plus interest. And if you don't pay it all at once in one day, I'm putting you in jail for contempt of court. And you're going to be paying, if you're going to stay in jail, you stay in jail as long as you want. And when you get out, you're going to owe that money plus the interest. You're going to be paying child support after these kids are grown-ups because you're going to owe your wife that money. All right? So be my guest. Go out and sit there and I'll be right out and I'm going to sign the order for you. So he leaves. He's all shook up now and his lawyer walks out. Two minutes later, the lawyer knocks on the door. Big smile on his face. He says, Judge, case is over. We're going to withdraw the petition. Call the stenographer. We're going to put this on the record. I says, I'm glad he saw the light. He said, yeah, I'm glad he saw the light too. He said, uh, no problem now. He's going to pay the child support the same way. Uh, no more modification. And so uh, all I have to say is in this particular instance, I gave the husband, who was very difficult and, and adamantly refusing uh, his lawyer's advice and my uh, advice, I gave him exactly what he wanted. But, you know, like the movie, you know, you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. Well, he couldn't handle uh, the facts. Thanks for listening. Come back next week for another episode of Uncommon Law, Lessons They Don't Teach in Law School. I'm Judge Rudy Greco. Court is adjourned.